Bibles, first of all, and turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 4. Matthew, chapter 4. And uh, we're going to continue our study this morning on spiritual growth. Walking in his steps. Good to see everyone this morning. Uh, We uh, have, uh, as Benny said in the past, we've had a lot of visitors this morning. Uh, Looks like it's pretty much just us. We do have some who are here this morning who uh, have been out because of illness, and we certainly are glad to see you back and able to be with us this morning. And it's always, uh, it's always, you know, it just doesn't feel like everybody's here when you're not here. So we do appreciate very much you being able to be out and be with us. Good, great to see you. And um, everyone who is here, thank you for being with us this morning. Standing against evil forces. Uh, Brother Moore just led us in a song about uh, uh, that very thing. Standing strong in Christ, stand up. And uh, we do have a battle to be fought. We are soldiers in the Lord's army. Uh, There is great wickedness in this world. And anyone who is blind to that truth is as blind as a bat. They just can't see and understand the, the reality of the way things are. We live in a wicked world. And sadly, it's getting worse. Getting much worse. I don't know how many of you saw or noticed on you know, the news. One of the big news items of the week came out of New York State this week. Uh, abortion is now permitted up to birth. A child can be murdered just before it's born at nine months. If you were born at 1205, you could have been murdered at 1204. And things are getting worse. Murder, immorality, all those things just continue to plague us as a people. Those things are all around us. So it's that much more important that we need to be growing in Christ and growing stronger because we do have a strong enemy. We need to understand that. We are facing a, a power that is much more mightier than we are. And without God's help, And without full submission to God's will, we're not going to make it. We need to grow. We talked about what Christianity, what being a Christian is all about, what we have in Christ, all the wonderful blessings, including, of course, the hope of heaven, to be with Christ forever and ever. Last week we talked about the need to increase in knowledge. We need to hunger for the truth. We need to obey the truth. And we need to commit to following the truth wherever it takes us. Whatever that truth is, we need to follow it there. We need to follow the Lord wherever He goes, ensuring that we will be also. Now, this morning, standing against evil forces, lesson four in this series of lessons, we're going to start in Matthew 4, where Jesus is led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2 of Matthew 4 says, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Let me pause here for just a second. I don't believe Satan was asking if you are the Son of God as if 
he did not know. The word if quite often has and the meaning of since you are. For example, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, if you have been raised with Christ, the idea is since you have been raised with Christ, you need to set your affections on things above. Well, here Satan knows who Jesus is. All the devils knew who Jesus was, didn't they? They confessed him. Satan didn't have a question about that. But he realized who Jesus was, and he says, since you're the Son of God, you command these stones to become bread. See, Satan knew that he could do that. And he knew that he'd been fasting. He knew he was hungry. And, okay, so here's the temptation. You use the, the authority that you have, and you turn these stones into bread, understanding that he could do it, and feed yourself. That would have been a temptation for Jesus to step out of his role as a human being and to exert his own divine power on the situation. But he answered and said, It is written, A man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Building upon our lesson from last week, this is why we need to be increasing in the knowledge of God's word. So that we can use it against the devil. That's exactly what Jesus did. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Satan knew that Jesus believed the word of God. He just used it. And so now Satan himself is quoting from Scripture. Yeah, the devil knows the Scripture. The devil knows what the word of God says. He just doesn't obey it. Okay, the temptation is, look, prove the Scripture's right. You prove that that's the truth. And God's going to help, God's going to save you. Don't worry about it. God will bear you up. He'll send His angels to take care of you. And Jesus answered him, or said to him, It is written, again, you shall not tempt or put the Lord your God to the test, is the idea. You shall not test what He says. Believe what he says. And then in verse 8 again, the devil took him up on an exceeding high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now who is it that has power over the world? We live in a wicked world. You know, you know why? Because Satan's in control as far as the world is concerned. He is the one who is over the princes and the kings of this world. Over the rebellious, sinful men in this world. He is the one who came into this world, tempted Adam and Eve, and he's been here ever since. And he has tempted men, and he has brought men to their lowest depth. You go back to Genesis chapter 6, as God looked down from heaven, and he saw the condition of man at that time. Every thought was evil in their hearts. Why? Satan had deceived them all. There was one man, Noah, who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was a righteous man. You know what? Even in the midst of all the sin that exists, all the wickedness that exists, you can still be a righteous person. Same thing you get into Genesis chapter 19, the, Sod the Sodom and Gomorrah story. You had Lot. Lot was a righteous man in the midst of that. But the wickedness that is all around us is, is real. It's there. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. You see, Satan was trying to tempt Jesus into, okay, I'll give you all this. 
without the cross. You just fall down and worship me. I will give it to you. Now, Satan did not have the authority to give Jesus everything, not in the sense that he was in actuality going to receive it. Because through the cross, through the suffering, he would certainly receive all that was his and all that was the Father's. And he would certainly be the king of all the world. And all authority and power has indeed been given to him because of his submission to the Father and his resurrection from the dead. But Satan's trying to get him not to do that. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Jesus used the scripture in every one of these cases to thwart Satan's temptation. All the more reason why we need a working knowledge of God's word. But okay, let's go to another passage now at the end of Jesus' ministry. That was the beginning. Here is the end in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of, of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Here comes Judas and the army from the temple guard to arrest Jesus. Now, Jesus is facing a temptation in this text, isn't he? He is facing the forces of evil. And his flesh, in his flesh, Certainly Jesus did not want to go to that cross if there was any way around it. But there was no other way. Not to save mankind. There was no other way. That is the only way that God could accomplish His purpose of providing a Savior for us. And so Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. Now, in all of these, these verses that we've just read, both in Matthew 4 and Matthew 26, Jesus is tested. He is tried. And this is really what I mean when I'm talking about standing against the forces of evil. We are all tempted. We are all tried. We are all faced with temptation 
by those and that which is evil. And so there are some important points that I want to make quickly, and then I want to move on to, to something else that we're going to build as we go this morning. First of all, some necessary requ requirements for us to stand against our evil enemies, our, the evil forces that exist in this world. Number one, we must possess a working knowledge of God's Word. We must. If we do not have that, we are inequipped to face these trials. We're not going to make it. It is absolutely essential. In Psalms 1, verses 2 and 3, that tree, we talked about in Bible study, study this morning, that tree that is planted by the waters. It, it is a tree that represents one who meditates on the things of God, who loves the Word of God. And he knows it. He's like that tree that's planted beside the still waters and it grows its strength. It shall never be destroyed is the idea. In chapter 37 and verse 31 and chapter 119 and verse 11 both emphasize the blessing of one who knows God's Word and has taken the Word of God into his heart. Psalms 119 and verse 11 says and, and emphasizes, I, you know, I have taken thy Word into my heart, therefore I may not sin against you. So we must have a working knowledge of God's Word. Second, we must have a humble deference to God's will. It's not my will, it's God's will. It's not pleasing me, it's pleasing God. I must always have this commitment deep within my heart to do what is right. When I have that commitment, I have, I have that which enables me to say no to temptation. But what if I don't have that commitment? What if I don't have that determination to do what's right when Satan comes knocking on my door? I'm in trouble, aren't I? I have to be committed to doing what God's will is. Not my will, but thy will be done. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 emphasizes, you know, the fear of God is to keep his commandments. This is the end. This is the conclusion of the whole matter. This is man's all, in other words. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Trusting in God's promises and provisions. Now, this is something else that's extremely important. If I do not have a working knowledge of God's Word, I'm not going to have a lot of strength and faith, strength of faith in His promises. I'm not going to be totally convinced that God's, God's Word is true. So I need to have a working knowledge of God's Word. I need to have a deference to God's authority, to His will. And committed to serving Him. I need to trust His promises and His provisions. Sadly, many who do, do not have that, that trust, that confidence. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, Paul says, There is no temptation that has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, that with the temptation he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, temptations are coming. That's a common lot to all of us. But if I trust in God's promises and in God's provisions, I can find the way of escape every single time. 
in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. Always abounding in the working of God. He, he says, he emphasizes this also, your labor will be rewarded. In Revelation 2 and verse 10, he's, the Lord Jesus himself is speaking to the church at Smyrna who was suffering great persecution. He says that some of you are going to be taken, thrown into prison for ten days. He says, be faithful unto death. In other words, to the point of death. In other words, dying for me, dying for my word, dying for the truth, dying in your resistance to sin, dying as a martyr. You be that faithful to me and I'll give you a crown of life. Listen. If these Christians in Smyrna did not have that kind of faith and trust in God's promises and Caesar came knocking on the door or Caesar's representatives and he's jerked out of his home with his family and they are all at the point of a sword and that instruction is given, which was given to many Christians in those days. You profess Caesar as Lord or you will die. Now, if they did not have a strong conviction and trust in God's word and God's promises, what are they going to do? Jesus says, be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. Many Christians would not confess their loyalty to Caesar. They only confessed their loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they died at the end of that sword. They were burned for lights in the Colosseum. Why? Because they would not accept Caesar as their Lord. But if they did not have a great confidence in God's promises, that would have never happened. So these three things are absolutely necessary. If we're going to stand firm against the evil that's around us, all of us need to take a survey of our own heart and our own minds and knowledge and understanding. Do we have a strong working knowledge of God's Word? Are we truly committed to doing what God's will is, not our own? And do we truly trust God's promises and His provisions? He's going to keep His word. He's going to do what He's promised. And we have the hope of heaven, regardless of what happens to us here. Well, these things are very important just in, in er, everyday life, right? Uh, in order to be faithful, though, these things are absolutely essential. Now, if we're going to be faithful in the midst of an evil world, we have to do certain things. There are certain actions that we have to take. And again, this is based upon the truth of God's Word, that knowledge of God's Word. Jesus said, the truth will make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 32. But we have to know that. And in John chapter 10, in verses 1 down through verse 12, Jesus emphasizes the need to abide in that Word, abide in the truth. And those who love Him do abide in that truth. And those who abide in that truth, the Father loves them. And the Father rewards. We need to, and we must, adhere to the truth. Displacement. Uh, we must put off things. How many times do we read in the Scriptures 
There are certain things that we must put off. In fact, in the scripture reading this morning from Romans chapter 13, we must put off those things of the flesh. We must put aside those things. There are a lot of sins in the, in the Bible that are mentioned that we must put away. Put off. Fornication, adultery. All these things we must put, a, put away. Idolatry. All these things must be put off. Anger, wrath, malice. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Hebrew writer even goes further. It's not just sins that we have to put off. He even says to put off those things that hinder us. Things that will slow us down in our battle against sin, in our race to enter into heaven. He says that those things that hinder us we're to put away. We're to focus on Jesus. And boy, that's an important thing. Not only displacement, but replacement. We must put in our hearts, within our minds, those things that are true, those things that are right. Focus on these things. Paul makes that point in Philippians 4 and verse 8. We must focus on these things that are true. But in Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And as in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, as with Romans 13 and verse 13. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on His character. Put on His attitude. Put on His way of thinking. Put on His actions. Put on His deeds. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh. Love, joy, peace, long fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. Fortification. We need to strengthen our faith. We need to strengthen ourselves. These, these are necessary actions, okay? We need to take the truth. We need to kick out all that, are, that is bad. We need to replace it with that which is good, and we need to strengthen ourselves. Growing strong in Christ. That's the whole point of this entire series is growing strong in Christ. If we don't, we're not going to make it. And there are so many who profess to be Christians today, they're not doing the things that are necessary for them to grow strong in Christ. They're simply calling themselves Christians while they do what they want to do. And no wonder the world is in such a mess. No wonder Christianity is so, imp uh, so uh, impotent in the world as far as its power and its ability to reach out is concerned. Most who profess to be Christians simply aren't following Jesus. But we need to strengthen ourselves to grow strong in Christ by using what he provides for us. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, please. We're going to spend some time in the book of Ephesians, and there are several verses and passages we'll refer to before we get into chapter 6. But, you know, we, we often think of the book of Ephesians as being the syllabus of the Lord's church, which it is. But the Lord's church is also spoken of as that which needs to be strengthened and that which needs to be brought into maturity and that which needs to be fed and strengthened against evil. That's really the object of the book of Ephesians, to provide that. 
When you go into chapter 1, we've talked about the blessings, what we have in Christ. Listen, if we truly have those blessings and we appreciate those blessings, we're not going to want to lose them. But we need to receive the provisions that, are, that God provides us in Christ. And of course, the redemption being redeemed from that sinful world and being reconciled to God in Christ is a very important thing that, that's first and foremost, that step has to happen. We have to receive that redemption by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. By our faith, trusting Him enough to render our, our submission to Him as Lord, to repent of our sins, be buried with Him in baptism, be raised to walk in this newness of life as redeemed Christians. We must appreciate and value God's provision of reconciliation in chapter 2. That old chapter is emphasizing the fact that it's by God's grace that we are reconciled back to God. In one body, verse 16 emphasizes that we might be reconciled both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. That which had separated us is gone. And now we are the people of God in Christ Jesus in whom you are being built together as a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Verse 22. In chapter 3, the emphasis is upon the revelation that God has given to the apostles, to us, through the apostles, and that we, by reading and understanding those things, we can know what God wants. The mystery has been revealed. And so we need to know those things. The purpose of the mystery is explained, and we need to appreciate the things that God has revealed to us. In chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, the emphasis is upon the unity that we're to have as the people of God. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Unity, togetherness. And then he emphasizes the things that the Lord has placed within this united body, and that is the apostles and prophets and evangelists to teach, to build up the teachers, to teach and to build up, to equip the saints, verse 12. Till we come to the unity of the faith, verse 13. And a perfect man to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, all of these things are for our growth, for our maturity, for our strengthening. And that we are able and equipped then to serve the Lord. You get into chapter 5, and the emphasis is on imitating God as dear children. Walking in love, chapter 5 and verse 2, and chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. A comparative passage there. To walk as children of light, Ephesians 5 and verse 8, not as those in darkness. Now, let me, let me suggest to you that all these necessary actions, what, what's happening as we look through the book of Ephesians real quickly, briefly, is the instruction for these Christians to be doing these things, to walk in certain ways, so that they can grow, so that they can be strengthened in the things of God. Now, if we're not imitating God, we're not walking in love, we're not walking in the light, the truth, if we're not walking carefully, you know, many people have the idea, well, let's, uh, let's do, and then we'll ask questions later, <laughs> Let's ask questions and then let's do. Let's make sure that what we're doing is right. 
Walking circumspectly means to walk carefully with wisdom. We need to be careful. And the idea that, well, the Bible doesn't say I can't do it is the wrong attitude. Where does the Lord tell us that we can do this? Let's, if we're following the Lord, we're following what He says, not what He hadn't said. We need to accept God's appointed stations in life. So we need to be humble enough to yield to God's appointed stations. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We are to submit to one another. And then we get to the section of putting on the whole armor of God. Listen, but if you want to stand against evil, in order to put on this armor, you have to be a faithful child of God in all of these other areas. All of these things need to be a part of your life. Striving to serve the Lord. Because we have learned the truth, now we're following the truth. And as we put these things into our everyday life, practice, then we are better equipped to say no to temptation, say no to the devil, and to be that light in this world that God wants us to be. Put on that whole armor of God. You get into chapter 6. Notice, first of all, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. There is a command in that verse. That command is to be strong. It's to be strong in the Lord. You can't be strong outside of the Lord. The only place for strength is in him, in Christ. But this is a command. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You notice he's not saying be strong in yourself. He's not saying use your own strength. He's saying you be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You cannot defeat Satan on your own. Notice what it says in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. There's another command in this verse. Put on. The whole, not part, but whole armor of God. Now I assure you something, there's also a necessary implication in this passage. That if we do put on the whole armor of God, we will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We'll be able to stand against whatever he throws our way. We can say no. We can resist. You know, there, there are a lot of folks who believe that we're human beings. And that's true, we are. But because we're human beings, we just sin all the time. They teach that we have this sinful nature that we cannot do what is right. The Bible doesn't teach that. Now, I will say this. If a person is outside of Christ, and a person has not focused his life on Christ, and he is not built upon Christ, he does not have the knowledge of God... He does not and is not equipped to, to say no. He's not going to be able to. I agree with that. You go back to chapter 2. Those who are disobedient, who are by nature children of wrath, those are the people who are outside of Christ who do not have the truth, who are not following Jesus Christ. But now we're not like that anymore. We are to say no. We can say no to Satan. And that's his whole point. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Now, we can't stand against the wiles of the devil if we don't put the armor on. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're not battling against men. We're not fighting against you know, just mere mortals. We're fighting against Satan himself and against his principalities, his angels, and those whom he has in this world that are in authority. We're battling against sin, and we cannot win that battle on our own strength. We have to take what God provides and use it. So he says, therefore take up the whole armor of God, verse 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We can stand. Verse 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. The foundation of our ability to stand against Satan is to gird our waist with truth. The idea is that the, the Roman soldier would have a long flowing robe or at times, and what they would do is in order to battle, they would gird that thing up and they would have a band that went around that would tie all things and keep all things in place so that they would not be hindered. So they would gird their waist with truth. And the truth is the foundation of our ability to say no to, no to Satan. Just like Jesus when he said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We have to have the truth. If we don't have that, we are in serious trouble. The breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate, that which protects our vital organs, is doing that which is right. And that which is right according to God. Not man, but God. The breastplate of righteousness, it is a means of protection against the things that Satan will throw at us. The preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace and the reconciliation that we have there in verse 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The most important piece of article of clothing that a soldier would have would be his shoes. I want to tell you right now, I've got really tender feet. And anybody that knows, you know, knows me pretty well, they, they know that. Denise knows that very well. I've got very, very, very tender feet. We were at the Buffalo River this past summer. And uh, we had, me and Denise both had walked up. We had all the kids and everything, but we had walked up the river and we had had some inner tubes and we were going to float down the river. And I got out there, I helped her get in hers and she went off. And so I was trying to get in mine and I'd already kicked my shoes off way up on the bank. And my feet were hurting and I, I tried to get in my inner tube and it went shoo, shot out from under me and it went off down the river. And I'm out there in the middle of that river with bare feet and I could not stand it. My feet were killing me. That was painful. And she was just laughing. She thought that was the funniest thing in the world. And then everybody up the river, well, they were just cackling too. They thought that was hilarious because they heard her laughing. So they realized what happened. They started laughing. Wasn't that funny? But my feet are tender. You need shoes. I know that. And so the gospel of peace is that, which, that reconciliation with God. Knowing that I have that, that's my foundation. 
And we think, well, you know, that's preaching the gospel to others. Well, that's true. That's an application of it. But the idea is, I, am all, I, I have something solid upon which I stand. That's the peace that I have with God. And the shield of faith, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. I must take this shield, and with this shield, what can I do? What can I do? I can quench not a few, not some, not most, but I can quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. That's what I can do. Whatever Satan throws at me with faith, I can repel it. Don't let somebody tell you you've got to sin. You can't help it. You're just a man. Don't, say, don't, don't believe that nonsense. You're just a man. You can't help to have these feelings toward that woman who's not you. You need to tell that person to get up out of your face because they ain't telling the truth. You can say no. Joseph did it. Joseph did it in Genesis 39. You can too. Don't believe these, these people who tell you you can't do it. And take the helmet of salvation, the hope that we have. That, there again, there, there's the confidence that we have in what God has promised us. Do we truly have that confidence? So when you take the truth and you take the things that God has provided you to protect you, to help you, you can say no. Then you can take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Here we are again. It's, it, it all comes from God's Word and having that understanding of what He has said. Then we are equipped to say no. And not only can we say no, we can cut Satan and his temptations to pieces. We can defeat him. We are more than conquerors. So, praying always. Oh, we need that line of communication open with God. And all this is depending upon God, trusting in Him, placing our confidence in what He has said, doing what He has said, Strengthening ourselves in all things so that we are able to resist. Notice in verse 18, it does say, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, with all patience, with all endurance. You need to watch. You remember Jesus' disciples in Matthew 26? What were they doing when Jesus was off praying? They were sleeping. And Jesus told them to watch and pray. They weren't. And what happened to them? When Jesus was arrested, where did all the disciples go? We need to be watchful to this end. Satan is wanting to destroy you, my friend, and he can if you're not fully prepared. He will if you're not fully prepared. So now kind of going back on what we stated earlier, we need to have confidence in God's provisions because his provisions are sufficient. If we take what he gives us, we can defeat Satan in our life. We can say no, and we can also repel him, and we can resist. Now, Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with, e with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We can keep going. We can, we, we can just keep being victorious over Satan, even though we're tried, even though we are tempted, even though we are tested, if we trust in the Lord. That's the idea of wait here. 
We trust Him. We depend upon Him. He will strengthen us. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, we've already pointed out, there is no temptation that's taken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But you, with the temptation, will also make the way of, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You can bear it. You can overcome it. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. It takes faith. It takes soberness. It takes vigilance. But in the faith we can resist him. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Peter here is talking again about this idea of suffering. Again, Caesar comes to your door and he puts, a, puts a, a spear at your throat and says, confess me as Lord or die. The faithful Christian died because of their faith. In James 4 and verse 7, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What happened when when Satan was told, you know, God says, not not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then he's also told to, you know, that worship God and him only shall you serve. And when Jesus rebutted, rebutted Satan's every test, Satan left him. Resist the devil. Well, wait a minute. Before we can resist the devil, we have to first and foremost submit to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Again, we have to be focused on the Lord. Double-minded people are in serious trouble. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Our weapons, the Lord's weapons that He's given to us, are able to accomplish His purposes. They are mighty. They will defeat the strongholds of Satan in your own heart, in your own mind, and in those around you. They're not carnal weapons, though. The spiritual weapons that God has given us. Philippians 4 and verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That doesn't mean I can jump over a tall building with a single bound. Doesn't mean that I can do whatever I want to do in my life. What it means is I can do all things that Christ equips me to do. Listen, one of the things he equips me to do is overcome temptation. I can be victorious over Satan. I can say no. I can resist, and not only can I resist, but I can also be a shining light in this dark world. I can be that light, and you can too. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. It's not because of me. It's because I accept Christ. I trust Christ. I follow Christ. That's what makes me able to stand. Now, if you're not following Christ, You're in trouble. 
Revelation 2.10, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. How much faith and confidence in God do you have? Do you have a working knowledge of God's Word? Do, do you know enough of God's Word to recognize sin, to recognize error, false teaching, and to say no to it? Do you have enough humility to truly surrender and submit to God's will and everything? Not my will, but God's will be done. You see, that's what Satan does. He, want, he will trick you into thinking, no, I can have this, I can have this, and I'll, I'll be all right. When it's contrary to the will of God. That's why it's important to know what God's will is to begin with. But I, first and foremost, am committed to serving God and doing what He says. Then I am equipped to say no to Satan's temptations. Do you trust in God's promises and provisions? How much do you trust them? Have you taken advantage of God's provisions? The things that He's given you. His Word and all the blessings that are found in Christ and all the weapons that he has given to us in Christ? Have you taken the actions necessary to enable you to stand against Satan? Do you trust God? Do you trust him? That's really the bottom line. Again, those Christians who were tried, who were tested to, with the ultimate test had a question that came in Friday evening on Facebook about what if a woman who was kidnapped and was, had entered into the um, prostitution rings and all of that, you know, what, would you accept her as she is? I don't know where you know, the question is really coming from. And of course, I, I, I explained by saying she needs, you know, we need to help her. If, we could, if there's a way to help her, absolutely help her. Get her out of that. But she has to come out of that. She has to repent. She can't continue in her sin. And I got jumped on about that. But the reality is, you know, it's like, well, can't we understand that she's being forced to do this? No, no, she's not. No, she's not. Your boss can't force you to do something that you, that's wrong if you don't want to do it. Nor can any other man. Say, so, well, we're to obey those who are over us. I'm, what? Where'd that come from? Well, we're to obey those who are over us unless they tell us to do something that God says not do. Or to do something, or not to do something that God commands us to do. We must obey God rather than men. And you know what? That would apply even to the point of death. If someone is requiring that we do something that is sinful, regardless of what that might cost me, I have to say no. And I have to do what God says. I have to do what God says. But you know what? That takes courage. That takes faith in God. Do you have it? Do you have enough faith to turn away from the world, to obey Jesus Christ, to become a child of His through faith, be baptized into Him? Do you have enough faith? 
and courage of your convictions to stand up for Christ and say no to the devil. If there's sin in your life, you need to confess that sin. You need to repent of that sin. And you need to pray for forgiveness. If there's something that you need from us this morning that we can help you with, let us know. As together we stand while we sing. <clears throat>